Chapel of the Harbor. Today, Pastor Joe Pettick will be teaching from the book of James, chapter 3. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. I love talking about my father-in-law, Daniel. As you recall, I mentioned him a few times. He prayed to receive the Lord three weeks before he went to be with the Lord at age 82. I'll never forget the, the nurse that was assigned to him, one of the main nurses that were assigned to him. She came up to us and she said, where's the man that they brought into the hospital? And we said, well, what do you mean? And she says, well, this is definitely not the same man. And we said, well, why do you say that? And she says, well, the man that was checked into the hospital was cussing and swearing. He was rude. He was giving us a hard time. She says, but this man I've been watching for the last few days, everything that comes out of his mouth is kind and polite. He says, yes, please, and no thank you. She said, something happened. What happened to that man? That is not the same man. And we said, well, he's born again. He received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And she opened up to us and she says, my parents are missionaries. And she says, I haven't been walking with the Lord. And she says, that man's faith has sparked my faith to live for Christ. Hopefully that encourages those here that have loved ones that haven't come to the Lord yet. I know I do. My dad's still not with the Lord and there's others in my family. So I hope that encourages you. At 82, he came to know the Lord. So there's hope, even for your children. Hopefully it doesn't take, you know, 82 years for your children to come to know the Lord. It's funny, just a little side note, you know. Someone asked him if he wanted a wee dram. That means a shot of whiskey. And because uh, he was an alcoholic up to the, you know, until he received Christ. The point I'm trying to get at is my father-in-law, his speech was changed because his heart was changed. The Lord Jesus Christ was in his heart, so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's why he was being kind and polite and all, because he was changed. We're going to be looking at a great exhortation from James regarding our speech. And he, I mean, he tells it like it is here. So let's go and look at our text here. Again, James chapter 3, verse 1. And James says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a small, a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. The author, as we've been looking at, is James, I believe, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. It's believed that he was the next oldest brother after Jesus. He may have spent more time with Jesus on the earth than any other man because he grew up with Jesus. And primarily, this letter has been speaking to us about maturity and being mature as believers, growing up. 
In chapter 1, he exhorts us to count it all joy when we fall into trials. That's maturity. Trials, count it joy. You know, you need to be mature. You need to be mature to be able to go through trials and still be joyful. Remember also in chapter 1, he says that, you know, we're to endure temptation. When temptation comes, endure. Remember we looked at holding on to the Lord Jesus. We see temptation come our way, and every one of us will have temptation. We're to hold on, to endure, hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of temptation. That's maturity, not falling to that temptation anymore. He spoke to us about the goodness of God, and because God is good, we should demonstrate his goodness in our words and in our actions. Maturity. Also, because God is good, we're to put away evil, a sign of maturity. In chapter 2, he told us that we're, we're not to be partial as believers. We're not to, you know, esteem others better than other people. We're not to, you know, we're not to be partial. Another sign of maturity. And lastly, in chapter 2, we looked at we're to have a faith that works. A fruitful faith. Remember, we looked at that last week. All maturity, maturity, maturity. James is saying, guys, grow up. Be mature. And now we see here another sign of maturity is one that can control the tongue. And if you can control the tongue, he's saying you can control anything. That's a sign of a true, you know, someone that's truly mature in Jesus Christ when they can control the tongue. How many times have you said something and after you go home and you're, you're like, I can't believe I just said that. Why did I say that? And you can't take it back. Or oh, you can call the person up, which I do many times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe I shouldn't have said it quite that way or, or whatever. You try to, you realize what you said was wrong. We're to watch our words, especially as we see here, teachers. Speaking of those that teach the word of God. I want to exhort anyone here, make sure you're called to teach the word of God and make sure you're gifted in teaching the word of God before you go in that direction because it's a calling. It's a gift. Don't try to be a teacher if you're not called to be a teacher. Because when you teach, you have to say many words, and you're going to make mistakes. And you're accountable for how you lead people in your words. It's so important. Paul the Apostle told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.1, he says, It's a faithful saying. If a man desires a position of a bishop or a pastor, he desires a good work. That's a good thing. And then he gives a list of qualifications. So if you feel that you're called to be a pastor, go through the list of qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and say, Am I qualified? Did you call me to be a, a pastor, a teacher? Is that what I'm called to do? And if so, it's a good thing and God will bless you. But don't try to be a teacher if you're not called to be a teacher, he's saying here, because you're going to stumble over your words. You're going to make mistakes. And if you're not called, you shouldn't be there. But this strict judgment that he's talking about, I believe he's talking about false teachers. Those who teach contrary to the word of God, and there's going to be a strict judgment for them. Why? Because they're directing people in the wrong way. Lord, help us to be careful that we're able to tell when someone's not teaching according to the word of God. I remember early on as a baby Christian, I'd you know, watch different pastors maybe on TV or or, you know, friends of mine would invite me to go watch this pastor or that pastor. And I remember just as a baby Christian thinking, this is whacked out, man. <laughs> he's taking scriptures out of context. You know, he's trying to, you know, put something together that it's not in the word of God. The apostle Peter warned us of these type of people. They, in 2 Peter 2, 1, he says, but there, there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, 
and bringing on themselves swift destruction. But check this next verse out, verse 2, 2 Peter 2, 2. It says, and many will follow their destructive ways. Many will follow their destructive ways. That word perfect can also be translated complete or mature. But you know what I see in these four verses here? James is talking about the power of direction in the tongue. The power of direction. A small bit is able to direct a horse. A small rudder is able to direct a large ship. And the tongue is able to direct others, many people. The tongue, just your tongue. You can direct people. If God's called you, you know, or even some that are wicked, they, they can direct people with their tongue. The power to direct. It's important, folks, that we're directing people the right way. Now, you know what I think, and you know, my Aunt Sally had that problem once, and you know what she did, you know? I don't know if it's in the Bible, but boy, it helped her out. <laughs> oh, sure, it's a witch doctor, but you know, it's, she got better. She was feeling real good. You know? no. <laughs> but we direct people in the Word of God. We direct people to the Lord. And if you don't know how the Word of God fits in that situation, just bring them to the Lord. Let's say, let's pray. Let's go to the throne. Maybe God will show you something here. The power to direct with the tongue. It's very small, but yet it has power to direct. And as Christians, each one of us, we are supposed to use our tongue to direct people in the ways of the Lord. People are watching us. In your workplace, in your neighborhood, wherever you're at, people are watching you. You don't even realize it. They're like, those are those Christians. There they are. What do they do? How do they talk? Oh, well, who, we? They talk worse than we do. <laughs> Boy, they, their temper is worse than ours. We get along better than they do. How are we directing people? The power to direct. As most of you know, Calvary Chapel has a, a church there in Tel Aviv, the, the Apples. Uh, Pat and Steve Apple have been here a few times already. We, we consider Calvary Chapel, Tel Aviv, our sister church out there in Israel. And check this out. One of the chief rabbis went to Pastor Steve and he said, I want you to teach me the New Testament. One of the chief rabbis out there in Tel Aviv. He said, I believe God showed me I need to learn the New Testament. That's huge. I mean, that's just like mind-boggling. They don't do that. And not just a rabbi, a chief rabbi. Well, the story gets even better. He's been, you know, learning the New Testament, but he has a friend, a young rabbi in New York. And he called up his friend, this chief rabbi, and he says, you know what, I believe the Lord's saying you need to go to your local Christian church and learn what they're doing there and learn the New Testament. Wow. He's like basically saying, you're crazy. But he said, are you sure? He says, yeah. He hung up the phone and he went to do exactly that. He went to go to the local church. He stopped himself. He called up their chief rabbi again. He says, I can't do that. You know, God's going to smite me and they'll probably burn me. You know, I heard Christians hate Jewish people and I don't know if this is good. And this chief rabbi, check this out. He said, I believe God himself is telling me where to do this. You need to do it. He says, I'll take the heat. I believe God is saying this. Well, he's a Hasidic Jew. You know, he's all the, you know, the, all the garb on, you know, the curls and all this. And, and he went to the local church, worried that they're going to stone him or throw him out, you know. Well, do you know it? That day he went into the church, it was Love Israel Day, and everyone had little Israel flags, and they were waving their Israel flags in their hands. And when he walked in, they were all hugging him because they, they thought he was part of the celebration. <laughs> oh 
the power to direct. That's a true story. It's a powerful story. The power of the tongue to direct people. Steve Apple directing this chief rabbi in the New Testament and the, the rabbi you know, instructing the younger rabbi to learn the New Testament, to, to learn the Christian ways. The power that we have in our tongue, if we use it right, if we use it correctly for God and for his glory. I love Isaiah 50, chapter 4, speaking of the coming Messiah. I love this verse. If you've never seen it before, please take note of this. The Lord God has given me, this is speaking of the Messiah, Jesus, the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. So it's telling us when Jesus comes to the earth that he's going to be, every morning he's going to wake up and he's going to listen to the Father and he's going to give him a word for the weary. You know why I love this so much? Because Jesus is our example. Is he waking you morning by morning? God wants to wake you up in the morning and he wants to give you words to speak to those that are weary. There are weary people all around us. And I don't want to give them my words. I want to give them the word of God. I want to give them a word that I read that morning. I want to give them a word that the Lord's speaking into my heart and showing me, Joe, this is what I'm showing you. But then actually it's not just for you. It's the person that you're going to minister to during the day. And he gives you the tongue of the learned and he gives you insight. And you'll be blown away if you ask the Lord, okay, Lord, take that scripture alone, these two, these two scriptures and say, Lord, Give me the tongue of the learned. Speak to me for the people that are weary in my neighborhood, the people that are weary in my workplace, the people that are weary that are all around me, God. I don't know what to tell them. And trust that through the word of God, he'll show you what to say. Through his word, he wants to. Proverbs 15, 2 says, The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth, pours forth foolishness. The wise use knowledge rightly. They, they know how to use it. They know how to, to fit it right into place. A few Sundays ago after service, Kathleen was my wife. She just you know, had a desire to have a decaf coffee, so we stopped at some place. I think we've only been there once or twice before. And there was a young girl there we've never seen before. And I'm just praying. You know, I'm like, Lord, you know, I want to share you, you know, wherever I go. I want to share you, Lord. So I noticed she was reading a book. So I says, oh, what you reading? And she goes, oh, a book on heaven. <laughs> By Mitch Album, I think she said. And I was like, really? So it opened a door that I could share with her. And I says, oh, heaven. I said, well, you know how to get there? She goes, well, I'm not sure. I haven't got to that page yet, you know? I was like, <laughs> so I shared how to get to heaven through Jesus Christ. And she was just like, her eyes were just wide open and my wife was sharing with her and, you know, back and forth. The Lord was giving us words to speak and we're just blown away. This young girl was just like, her eyes were just wide open like this, you know. And I gave her a track and I said, you know what? We don't need to pray this with you. You could pray this yourself. There's a little prayer here. Pray this and receive Christ as your Savior. And she says, I will. I says, will you do that? She goes, yeah, we'll do that. I said, so I prayed with her. After I prayed, she says, you know what? You guys were a godsend. And she says, the reason why I'm reading about heaven, she says, because just a little while ago, one of my friends were killed. And if I understood her correctly, which I think I did, she said, that was my best friend that got killed, and the one that killed my best friend was another friend of mine. And we were directing her to God's word. She needed direction. 
There are people all around us that are weary. Maybe they, they have that face on and they look like they have it all together. Don't be fooled. They don't. And God wants to give us those words. Words to direct. You'll never go wrong when you direct them to the word of God and you direct them to the Lord. The power in our tongue to direct. Let's read on in the text. Verse 5, back in James chapter 3, verse 5. And James goes on to say, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire. You're not going to believe what this says if you've never read this before. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and check this out, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Wow, that's heavy. The power of the tongue, it's evil. It can destroy. It's set on fire, did you notice, by hell? That word hell is Gehenna. It's a place of eternal torment, better known as the lake of fire. The power of the tongue to direct, but also we have the power of the tongue to destroy. Direct and destroy. We can tear people down. We can hurt them. It's poisonous. And like fire, it can burn people up. I just recently met a, a lady, and when she found out I was a pastor, she kind of opened up to me, and, and she told me that just recently her mother told her that when she was born, it was the worst thing that ever happened to her in her, in her whole life. And I says, well, how did you feel about that? And she says, it killed me. It destroyed me. And she said, well, you know, I've talked it over with my mother and explained to her how that hurt me. And, and since then, you know, we've, we've talked through it. And she explained why she said that. I guess she was, her mother was raped and da-da-da-da-da. And, and they worked through it. But Lord, help us to be wise when we speak. Good thing to do, and I, I try to do this as often as I can. Before words come out of my mouth, I say, Lord, give me your words to speak. Because I know my words can tear down, but my words can also build up. And I, I don't want words that destroy. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21, death and life. We, we have a choice what we're going to do with our tongue. We're to be slow to speak. Remember that nursery rhyme, or that, that rhyme that says, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't know who wrote that, but that's not true. Hit me with a stick, man. I'd rather get that than tear me up with words, you know? Oh, let's be slow to speak. Let's think about what we're saying. Something that I, I ran across, something that goes so good with this. Regarding being slow to speak and quick to listen, that's out of James 1.19. I want to read this to you. It's, I really enjoyed this. It says, be slow to suspect, quick to trust. Be slow to condemn, and quick to justify. Be slow to offend and quick to defend. Be slow to expose and quick to shield. Be slow to belittle and quick to appreciate. Be slow to demand and quick to give. Be slow to provoke and quick to comfort. Be slow to hinder and quick to help. Be slow to resent and quick to forgive. 
Be slow to speak and quick to listen. In verse 8, it says, no man can tame the tongue. That's true. No carnal man can tame the tongue, but the Lord can. And we're able to tame the tongue by the Holy Spirit. I want to go back to this. It's set on fire by hell. I mean, if this is the first time you're reading this, I'm sure, I mean, the first time I read that, I'm thinking, my tongue can be set on fire by hell? And as I was kind of pondering through this and thinking about this, you know, uh, fire and tongue, and I was thinking, well, wait a second. If my tongue can be set on fire by hell, then it can be set on fire by heaven also. What about Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost? They had tongues of fire. Remember the story? Acts chapter 2, with the day of Pentecost, it says when it was it fully come, they're all in one accord in one place, and then suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind. Remember that? And it says it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Remember that story? Remember there were people from other nations. They came by. And they heard him speaking with different tongues, but they were speaking in their language from other nations. Remember they said, well, what are these guys, drunk? And then Peter stood up, the apostle Peter, and says, wait a second, it's only 9 a.m. These guys are not drunk. This is what was spoken about in Joel. Joel the prophet prophesied about this day. And as the apostle Peter started preaching, 3,000 souls were added. His tongue was set on fire by heaven. The same Peter that denied Jesus three times before he had the Holy Spirit. The same Peter that, that when he was up on the, remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, oh, it's good for us to be here. Didn't know what to say. And then he says, we should build three tabernacles. And then God said, this is my son, listen to him. In other words, be quiet, Peter. The same Peter that rebuked Jesus when he said he was going to go to the cross, and Peter, the apostle, pulled him aside and says, hey, far be it from you, Lord. Remember what Jesus said to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Not calling Peter Satan, but the, the words that were coming out of his mouth were from the devil, set on fire by hell. But at the day of Pentecost, his tongue was set on fire by heaven. And 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom of God. How do you want your tongue to be set on fire? How do you want it to, you know, to burn with the fires from hell or from the fires of heaven? Wow. Let's finish these last three verses here. It goes on. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Blessings and cursings proceed out of our mouths. The point I want to get on these three verses here is, check this out. These things ought not to be so. These things ought not to be so. In other words, you go to a spring and you expect fresh water from a spring. Right? You go to a fig tree. You expect something, you know, nice fig. That's what you expect. When people come to us as Christians, they expect rejoicing. They expect something good coming out of us. Blessings, not cursings. It should not be so. So if you're taking notes, 
our tongue, so our tongues have the power to direct, the power to destroy, but also the power to delight others, to bless them, to refresh them. The Word of God. We can use our words to delight others, to refresh others, to save others. But the gospel, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714 788 8221. That's 714 788 8221.